great to be here today. Message title, Live in Love, Living in God's Love. In 1 John 4, verse 16, I discovered some words that I finished uh, the last sermon I shared with you called Extravagant Love. Let's look at these words in 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So we can see three things there. That we can know God's love, we can rely on God's love, and we can live in God's love. Listen to what the message translation says about that scripture. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. Now listen to this line. This way, love has the run of the house. Isn't that a good line? Love can have the run of our house. Now I'm really looking forward to sharing this message uh, and I've discovered there's just so much on this subject. There's so much I want to say. I said that to Narina and she said, don't go too long, keep it short. Just talk about the major things, don't waffle. So with those loving thoughts... In my mind, short and no waffle, impossible. (laughs) Firstly, what is this love that we can know? We start with the definition. Now, there are two expressions of love. One is kind of a lightweight love. It's a a feeling love. It's a light love. It's affection. The other is a heavyweight love, which is more of a choice. But I can tell you, this choice had plenty of feeling, but it's more than feeling. In the Greek, uh, we can understand it because there's two words in the Greek. One is phileo love, which is tender affection, feeling like love. And the other is agape love, which is choice. Uh, Heavyweight love, and this is the love of God. Today, we're talking about agape love, the love of God. Definition. Billy Graham said, God's love is not a passing fancy, or a superficial emotion, it is a profound and unshakable commitment that seeks what is best for us. Brian Edgar says, the most fundamental characteristic of this eternal love of God is that it seeks the good of another. It is the opposite of any and all selfish, self-centred attitudes. Love reaches out to the other for their good. Now here's a declaration about this love. The Bible simply says, God is this love. All love comes from God. God is rich in love. The Lord is loving towards all he has made. Psalm 117, the shortest psalm in the Bible. Two verses. The first one, praise the Lord all your people. The second one, for great is his love towards us. I think the psalmist thought... That's all that's needed. That's all that's needed. Praise the Lord, all you people, for great is his love towards us. Enough said. Billy Graham said, the more I read the Bible, the more I realise that love is God's supreme attribute. All right, let's just have a quick look at the qualities of uh, this love. Now, you all know 
at every wedding. We straight away go to 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 to 8 and we discover the qualities of this agape love. Here they are. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. Does not boast. Is not proud. Is not rude. Is not self-seeking. Is not angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love delights. Does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's not a bad definition of some of the qualities of God's wonderful love. Paul speaks to us about this in these words, Ephesians 3.18. Paul says, May you have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. May you know this love that surpasses knowledge. Remember we used to sing, or maybe we still do, isn't the love of Jesus simply wonderful? So high you can't jump over it, so low you can't get under it, so wide you can't get around it. Now words are nice and encouraging. But to really understand this love, we need to see it and feel it. So from definition, we go to demonstration. And the Bible's full of demonstrations of God's love. In fact, we could probably say it's a love story. Love comes into focus most fully in this way. Come to 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for his sins. Greatest demonstration of all. He sent his only Son to die for us, that we might live. Romans 5.8 says the same thing. God, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross of Christ is the ultimate revelation of God's love. Let me read to you what Scott Blackwell says in his book, Healed at Last. When I am unsure of my status before God, when my trust is frail and my confidence is frayed, I only need to look at the cross to remember how steadfastly for me God is. He sent his son to bring me home. In the shadow of the cross... Of Christ, God completely meets our desire to know that He has not forgotten us. We require no evidence or assurance. The Lord of all glory has come among us to walk with us, teach us, love us, forgive us, redeem us. The cross speaks to all this, to all of this, to all humankind for all time. So well put. Okay, we move on now. To that's what love is. We can know it. Can we rely on it? We can know it. Can we rely on it? Or is it daisy love, you know? She loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Is that how God is? He loves me, he loves me not. Just come to Psalm 136. All the verses of this psalm, you're going to like this. It makes me laugh. You can't see them all together, but there's 26 verses. And every verse includes these words. His love endures forever. 
See verse 2, give thanks to the Lord, God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. We could go on right through to 26. Every verse includes that. Do you think the psalmist is trying to say we can rely on God's love? It endures forever. We read, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres and never fails. God said, I'll never leave or forsake you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. His love is everlasting. It's unfailing. Yes, we can rely on it. And so we can know and we can rely on God's love. Now, that was the introduction. The sermon now starts. Okay, so I was given 35 minutes. So that was just the intro. This is what it's really about. What about living in God's love? Just stop and think about it. The all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving God is in love with us. He's in love with you. He's in love with me. It's kind of almost, you think, is that, can you say that? Yes, I can. He's in love with us, with this agape love. So we might say, what else really matters? So why not relax, hang loose, enjoy life and get on with it? God's love gives life its purpose. God's love is the foundation of our lives. You know, sometimes I find myself through the week thinking, oh, so every day, life is so every day. Oh, the footy's on Friday night and I, I, I pick up. I think, I'll make it for Friday and sit by the fire and eat a pizza and enjoy the footy. Or I think, oh, I know, I've got a holiday coming in a month's time. That, I, that gives me you know, strength to go on. Oh, there's an outing coming up on Saturday. Oh, David, how shallow is that? The God of the universe loves me. Isn't that enough to want... To cause me to want to say life is worth living. God, you love me. Those other things are gifts, but they're just subsequent to his love. Now, this is where I hit the wall in preparing this sermon. How do I fit all aspects of living into 30 minutes? Here's my list of events where we can live in love. I'm going to quickly address them all. We can find ourselves in God's love. We can rest in his love. We can rejoice in, we can live in, we can learn in, we can lean on, we can sigh in, we can die in, and we can flow in. So let's go. Or as Bug Bunny would say, on with the show, this is it. Firstly, we can find ourselves in God's love. You know, we all have a cry in our heart to be loved and to love. In Corinthians, Paul says, if we don't have love, we're only a resounding gong or a clinging symbol. Clanging symbol. Do you want to be defined as a resounding gong and clanging symbol? Just noise? You know the definition of noise is unwanted sound. Do you want that to be the definition of who you are, unwanted sound? It's not God's plan for us. And it's love that makes the difference. 
Let me just read to you. It is a universal truth that everyone wants and needs to be loved. And it is an unfortunate and even tragic fact, however, that many people do not feel loved. When that is the case, then it is inevitable that what will drive them is the search to gain love rather than any commitment to show love. This ought not to be surprising. And so for some, the focus falls on persuading others to love us. Insecurity about being loved lies behind many attempts to become lovable by being attractive in looks. Cosmetic industry knows that. Successful in business, sport or education. But the reality is that God makes us lovable by loving us in Christ. To know the love of God is to be able to discover the true self. Paul Tornier spoke about his own experience when he said, I am convinced that nine out of ten persons seeing a psychiatrist do not need one. They need a revelation of God's love for them and they will get well. I think there's a real truth in that. There's a saying, in every heart is a God-shaped void that only God can fill. I think we can say, in every heart is a love-shaped void that only God's love can fill. See, there's a cry in our heart, isn't there, for significance, value, meaning, acceptance, relationship, that we matter. I believe that God's love can satisfy this cry in our heart. 1 John 3.1 How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. How about that? And that is what we are. Let me read to you from Scott Blackwell's book, Healed at Last. As a three-year-old little boy, he suffered with meningitis. He was hospitalised in a coma for three days. He fortunately came out the other side but had to relearn to sit, crawl, walk again. He wore a monstrous brace on his right leg until he was nine years old. He now walks with a serious limp and he's had a hip replacement that hasn't helped. He said, I have lived my entire life in the strange company of pain and incapacity in one form or another. And from time to time, these companions have defined me. How do you like to be a little boy and run around with this big brace on your leg and one leg several centimetres shorter than the other? Yeah, his mates, his school buddies didn't make life easy. He said, I have lived in their shadow and I've believed their interpretation of who I was and what I could be. But their defining influence ended the day that God opened my heart to the gospel. I came to understand myself and my life in the company and under the shadow of Jesus' love. I believe we can find ourselves in the love of God. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm tempted to ask you a question. Oh, no, I'll just put it this way. I really hope that you love me. I'd like to think you love me. But even if you don't, it doesn't matter 
Because God loves me. I was hoping someone would say that. (laughs) There's a point in in what I'm saying. God loves us so much. We can get our bearings from that, can't we? We ought to be able to. Okay, next. We can rest in God's love. Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. We don't have to worry about salvation. We don't have to worry about our future in God. Our salvation has been gifted to us in God's love. Here's my definition of salvation today. Live in God's loving care now and into the future. And Jesus went on to say, in him we find rest for our soul. Despite what comes our way, it's okay. I'm safe in God's love, we might say. Psalm 62.1, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, coming and having a revelation of God's love should be in life like when we've had a, a hard day and we come and there's our lounge chair and we just sit into this lounge chair and, and it's so beautiful. You know, we ought to fall into God's everlasting arms like that for we're saved by grace it's by love that we've been saved we don't have to fear if God is for us God loves me God is for me therefore I don't have to fear 1 John 4 18 there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear if the all powerful all wise all loving God his love is perfect and he loves us we don't have to fear. Psalm 144.2. He is my loving God. He's my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield and refuge. Wow. Sounds like we should be safe. We read Hebrews before because God has said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. So we should be able to say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. I like to add what life can bring my way. Jesus is recorded as saying, don't be afraid. And he's saying this to us. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them shall fall to the ground apart from the will of my father. So he's saying, don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. If God cares for and attends the funeral of every little sparrow, He cares for us more than a sparrow. So we should be able to sing this song with Ethel Waters. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. So I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches over me. Three, we should rejoice in his love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The first character quality of love mentioned is joy. Philippians tells us, Paul tells us in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Nothing more wonderful than being loved 
and loving. Luke 10.20 gives life this priority. And this is amazing. Jesus said, Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's saying, don't kind of get your rejoicing from all the stuff you can do and, and all the wonderful things you, 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 you achieve, but rejoice that your name is written in God's book of love. We're told in Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now here's an amazing fact I just discovered the other day. When Jesus and his disciples shared the Last Supper together, and then Jesus was arrested and subsequently crucified, do you know it's thought that the hymn that they sang together, all these guys, and I often reflect on his 11 guys, I think Judas had nicked off, sadly, and Jesus, and they sing the, the gravelly boys' voices, you know, and they're all singing. Do you know what they sang? The last verses of Psalm 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. Jesus is singing this on the day of his arrest and subsequent crucifixion. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you sing that little song? In my heart there rings a melody. There rings a melody of heaven's harmony. In my heart there rings a melody, a melody of love. God wants to enjoy life in his love. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. My paraphrase. The God of love richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And he loves it when we enjoy it with him. We should always enjoy it with him. Find time to laugh in God's love. This old lady used to come. She lived in a masonette. She'd come onto her veranda every morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Well, this atheist shifted in next door. He got sick of this. So when she came out and said, this is the day, he said, there is no God. But she persisted and come out every morning. This is the day. And he would come out. There is no God. (laughs) One morning she came out. This is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice in it. But God, I have no money and no food. Would you provide? There is no God. Next morning she comes out and there's groceries, two bags of groceries on the porch. She says, this is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and be glad in it. And he has provided food. And the bloke next door says, there is no God. I put the groceries there. (laughs) She said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. Thank you, Lord, providing me with this food and making the devil pay for it. (laughs) I just put that one in there to get us laughing. I I had a crooked shoulder for a year now. Uh, Had it ultrasounded and x-rays and I've got a tear in the rotator cuff and uh, it's caused bursitis and then... uh, uh, a frozen shoulder. And for a year now, I wake up at four in the morning and, and I say, God, please heal me. You can heal me, God. Please heal me. Reach out and touch the Saviour. I sing it, for he is passing by. The Lord is not too busy to hear your heart's crying. And I say, Lord, I'm crying out for... And it hasn't come and said, Lord, what should I do? He said, go to the physio. <laughs> Boy, that made me laugh. 
So I've been going to the physio and I told the physio, I said, I've been recommended to come and see you. <laughs> he said, oh, who by? I said, God. <laughs> I told him the story. He was laughing, I was laughing. Now we're talking together. It's fantastic. What about the little boy? He might have been in your Sunday school. Did you tell him that God formed Eve out of Adam's rib? His mother found him in his bedroom with this worried look and his hand on his side. She said, what's wrong? He said, Mum, I've got a pain in my side. I think God's going to give me a wife. <laughs> it's getting weaker. I'll move on. <laughs> Rejoice, enjoy, laugh in the love of God. Live in God's love. Try, go for it in his love. In other words, do something with our lives. Because God loves us with this everlasting love, it doesn't mean we just sit around and do nothing. Now, it's not opposed to resting in him. I believe if we rest in God, it can bring out the best in our living. Wayne Cadero says, if you're afraid of messes, if you're afraid of failing, if you're afraid of risking, you'll never get anywhere. You can't still second base with your foot still on first. This little poem, I've read it to you before, I love it. There once lived a man who never risked. He never tried, he never laughed, he never cried. Then one day when he passed away, his insurance was denied. They said since he never really lived and he never really died. Message in that little poem. You can develop your gifts only by using them. Sure, using them may involve risk. The risk of making mistake, the risk of faltering or stammering if you speak, even the risk of failure, go for it anyway. I prefer to say have a go rather than take a risk. The point though is have a go in God's love. Remember the name Greg Luganis? He uh, won gold medals, he was an American diver, won gold medals on the springboard and platform in the 1984 and 98 Olympic Games. Now... I'm not supportive of all he stands for, we'll leave that alone. But when he was asked, what does he think when he's on that board about to do this amazing dive? He said to the person that asked the question, what I think is this, if I mess this up, my mum will still love me. And then he says he goes for it. Hey, we can learn a lesson from Greg Garnus. If we have a go and mess it up, God will still love us, so let's have a go. It can set us free to have a go. You've heard this quote, a ship is safe in a harbour, but that is not what ships are for. Here's another one. Don't just live the length of your life, live the width of it as well. So whatever we do, we work at it with all our heart as working for the Lord. Have a go in God's love. Oh, got to leave that next bit out. Learn from God's love. Get our bearings from God's love. Be led by God's love. Grow in God's love. Like we might be saying, you little ripper, because God's love is everlasting, unfailing. That's fantastic. I can now live however I like because God will still love me. Not so. Have you heard this saying? Love God and do what you like. It's actually true because if we unfold the saying, it means if you love God, 
You will like to do what pleases him and so you can do what you like. Did you track with that? Can't go back there. We've got to keep moving. Knowing God's amazing love should affect how we live. And these two songwriters knew that. You'll know John Potter, sorry, David Potter. David Potter, the hymn lover. Amazing love, how can it be that my king would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It is my joy to honour you. In all I do, I honour you. When I survey the wondrous cross, the last words, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us. There's a heck of a challenge. As loved children of God, we're to get our lifestyle bearings, not from the ways of the world, but from the way of God's love. And I have no doubt this is going to mean we may do some re- need to do some repenting of our erroneous ways, change our conduct. We may de- need to confess a few sins and receive cleansing and forgiveness. We may need to heed some discipline from our loving Heavenly Father. But we're to walk in the light as he in the light and keep in step with the Spirit. Paul says in Corinthians, Christ's love compels us, it should. Christ's love constrains us, it says in the King James. In the Amplified, the love of Christ controls us, impels us. Listen to the message. His love has the first and last word in everything we do. Isn't that great? His love should have the first and last word in everything we do. Okay, we should lean on God's love. You still with me? No. You sleep. Lean on God's love. Do you know we live in a troubled and challenging world? I love this little saying. Oh God, the sea is so great and my boat is so small. Well, Proverbs say, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord, you'll know this one, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We're to lean on God's love and he'll help us sail our little boats across the great wide deep sea. Another way of saying it is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love the story of the little man who so wanted to sing in the male choir, but his voice was pretty hopeless. And the choir master, he was wanting his choir to perform well, and he's given him the ultimatum. He said, if you don't hit the notes in practice today, I'm sorry, but you're out. So the little guy's going to try, and, and they're just about to start. And this big man standing behind the little man just said to him, when we're singing, lean back on my chest. The little guy didn't know what it was about. The song starts, the choir master's eyeing him off, and the little guy leans back on the good guy's chest, and they're singing. And he's finding he can hit the notes that he couldn't hit. His voice was beautiful. Why? Because the vibrations from the big man's chest were flowing through his body, and he was able to do more than he could do. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful illustration As we endeavour to play our part in the choir of life, when we struggle to hit the right notes, 
Lean back on God and his love. He'll help us play our part well. As you lean your ladder on the wall, lean, as you lean a ladder on a wall, lean on God's love and you will not fall. Will I read this? Yeah, for you again, David. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread, what have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, Leaning on the everlasting arms. It's a great hymn we used to sing. We all used to have to lean over as we sang it to kind of give it uh, purpose. Oh, move on. Here, we sigh, we sigh in God's love. How are we going? I know, every time I look at my watch and say that, it's reminding you how long I have been going. <laughs> Listen to this. We sigh in God's love. Or we groan in God's love. Did you know we don't live in Christian Lego land? What do I mean? I made good friends with a girl who was a goth. She wore black clothes, the black nail polish, black lipstick. She had a pale face and jet black hair. Can't remember how we met, but we became friends. And we had many great and challenging discussions, one of which began as follows. Look, I'm sorry, I just can't be a Christian. I can't live that way. What way, I asked. You know that way. With your head in the stand, avoiding reality. Like life is some big squeaky clean version of Legoland. Christians live in Legoland, she said. This was her perception of Christians, living inside some bubble of safety and protection from the real world. Christians live a deluded life, she thought. A lie. And I knew exactly what she was saying. Many Christians wear the Sunday mask when they go to church so that everything looks fine and perfect on the outside. There is no doubt that sometimes the church can be the most superficial of all communities. Challenge. The Bible forbids the people of God to pretend that the world is perfect. No one is perfect. Everyone struggles with life as it really is. The church should be exactly the place where people need to be able to come without masks or pretense, where they can admit to and struggle with the pain of life as it really is. Come to Romans 8:18 8, to 23 and verse 26. I consider that our present suffering, this is Paul talking about life now. Our presence are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. That creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. Our world groaning, creation is groaning, as in the plains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
In this same way, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans. Do you know what it's saying? Creation is groaning because something's wrong. We groan because something is wrong, and the Spirit groans. The Spirit is the Spirit of God. God actually groans. We live in a fallen world, a world of suffering, frustration and decay. There's a whole lot of, lot of groaning going on. And it's only right and proper that we groan as we await for our full salvation, the full restoration of all things, all things being made new. Yeah, God, of course he, he helps and comes through. Miracles happen. We should always pray for his healing and his miracle, but they don't always happen. We live in the now and the not yet. Full salvation, the healing, wholeness is still up ahead in the meantime. You know how we make it? In God's everlasting extravagant love in the arms of God. Our present sufferings, we're told, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Wow, it's going to be good, guys. In the meantime, Romans 8, 35 and 37. In the meantime, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So God's love will carry us through times of suffering. In Paul's words, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Yep, we don't conquer through triumphalistic miracles all the time, but by fighting through with faith and the comfort of God's love. Okay, as you can see, I'm going to have to... Gonna have to leave this, but die in God's love. <laughs> person said, I'm scared to death about dying. Mm-hmm. Another person said, I'm not scared about dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> Why do I include this subject of dying under the heading Living God's Love? Because death is an experience connected to life. Not everyone lives, someone said, but everyone dies. Death's our enemy, but in the love of God, death loses its sting. Death for the Christian is a doorway into the loving presence of God and his unfolding plan. We, I talked about what we read at weddings, well, at funerals. Psalm 23, 4 and 6. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you with me. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a difference it makes to die in the love of God. Voltaire. Non-Christian, his last words, I am abandoned by God and man, I shall go to hell. O Christ, O Christ, he said. Whereas Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just prior to his execution in Nazi Germany, said, this is the end, for me just the beginning. Billy Graham's grandma said, I see Jesus. Billy Graham says, though the Christian has no immunity from death and no claim to perpetual life on this planet, Death is to him a friend rather than a foe, the beginning rather than the end, another step on the pathway to heaven rather than a leap into the dark unknown. Time's up. We have to look at flowing in God's love. We'll have to look at what? Whatever comes next, next time. But you're going to have to listen to this. God's heart and our part.
God's love for us is extravagant. Put simply, God loves us, Jesus proves it. God loves us, Jesus proves it. But to enjoy and be embraced by his love, we have to do something. Remember the words that Jesus spoke when he said, you receive rest, what did we have to do? Come to him. We had to come to him. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in and I will eat with him and he with me. In other words, he's saying, I'll come in and fill the house with the love of God. We have to come to him. We need to come back to God through Jesus. We need to invite Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour. I just finished with this. (laughs) Psalm 147, 10 and 11. And I've fitted verse 10 in because I like it. God's pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of man. You know what that's saying? God's not impressed with horsepower and the size of our muscles. God does not judge a man by the size of his exhaust. You interpret that. But the Lord, verse 11, delights in those who fear him. Fear is trust and obey. Those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Not about being someone special. It's about just saying, God, I want to feel that embrace. I want to feel your everlasting arms around me. I want to know that I'm loved. How good it is to be loved by the all-powerful, all-wise and loving God. We're going to come around communion now. And, and look, if your heart is reaching out for God's love today, even if you're not a follower of Jesus at this point, point of time but you're just saying God I, my heart does cry to be filled with unconditional agape love take communion today and just say God reveal yourself to me let's all take this bread and this cup a few words on that just before we eat steward you wait on us take us into a song Sam music team